Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980, 1300 AM, or anywhere on that Odyssey app. Like every Tuesday, I'm happy to bring my good friend Tommy Marquez, a Navy veteran, a former senior member of, uh, staff member of Congress, and uh, now an advocate for everything Veterans Affairs. Tommy, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Rob, thanks for having me. So, what do we got on the agenda this week? Well, you, you're going to hate this, <laughs> but I was just up in West Point. Uh, my niece, she was uh, lucky enough, unfortunate enough, smart enough to get accepted an appointment at West Point, the Military Academy at West Point. Are you still there? So, no, I just left. I, I just landed back in uh, Dallas, Fort Worth. All right, because I'm like so, an uh, hour and 15 minutes from there. And uh, hey, Rob, I'm in oh. the area would have been good. You know what? I knew nothing about West Point itself other than when I worked in Congress, I helped kids, uh, I should say kids, our future leaders of the free world get selected and appointed into the academy. And I was talking to a lot of parents there, and there was so much misinformation for a lot of the parents who were first-timers. I thought, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and cover this topic for our veterans because a lot of them, they want their children to join the military, but they don't necessarily want their children to join as enlisted members, and they themselves joined, but didn't know how to become an officer. So I'm going to tell you, there's a couple of different ways that a young man or woman can become an officer in the military. Now, the first one is you can join into the enlisted ranks with your regular branch and apply to a, a officer candidate school ROTC program within the branch. You get paid the entire time, and if you're selected, you go through a series of courses, and they make you finish the college in some cases. And then, once you're selected, you go to Fork and Knife School in Pensacola, Florida, and then you become an, an officer. The other way, which is kind of a little bit more uh, taxing, is to go to a college that has an ROTC program. Now, a lot of people don't understand that not every college has an ROTC program. But if you select a school of higher learning that offers one, you could go in, you can create an account with the ROTC branch there, and you could get enrolled and start participating in programs to do a cross-enrollment agreement uh, into a branch. And it could be any branch of, of our military. That's Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and now the Space Force. From that process, you can uh, graduate from college, go to a couple of schools that they have, including the ROTC program, and you can receive a commission. Some of the great benefits of doing it this way is if you sign up early, in a lot of cases, the ROTC scholarships that they have will pay for your education. Now, you do have to give so many years, and it depends on what your job is going to be in the military, but you may have to give anywhere from six to ten years of service commitment uh, to have your college pay for it. And then the last way, which is what I just recently went, and I thought there's a lot of misconceptions, is going through an academy selection process. Now, a lot of people don't know this. Rob has had the distinct pleasure of having two uh, children appointed to the Naval Academy, which is, until recently, my favorite academy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that process is cumbersome. I tell people this all the time when I was doing the selection process or assisting with the selection process for a member of Congress. If you have a 4.0 GPA, 
you're really not competitive academically. You better be a really good athlete. But essentially, you have to get a nomination from your member of Congress when you go through the Academy Board selection process. And each member of Congress gets two appointments to each, uh, every year, to each Academy branch. So West Point, or the Military Academy at West Point, essentially hosts the Army. The Naval Academy is the Navy and Marine Corps. The Air Force Academy is obviously the Marine Corps. And a lot of people don't know, but there's a Merchant Marine Academy, and there is a Coast Guard Academy. For each of those schools, you do not have to join that particular branch. So this blew a lot of people's minds that were there when they saw uh, some personnel coming in, and they were talking to them, and they said that another uh, that their son or daughter had talked to somebody, and they were at West Point, but they were hoping to become an Air Force officer, or they were hoping to become a Marine Corps officer. And so I wanted to spell that rumor right now. It's just because you go to one of the academies, and let's say it's the Naval Academy, you do not have to, or you are not forced only to join the Navy and Marine Corps. You can laterally transfer into any of the branches of our military. The only one that you cannot easily do that is the Coast Guard. There is a different process in which takes place and commitments that take place. So the Coast Guard, you do have to, for the most part, there's some exceptions to every rule, but for the most part, you have to join the Coast Guard. What's unique about the Merchant Marine Academy, and I tell this to people every year, is they don't always get individuals who uh, are, are filling up all the spots. So every year, there's an open spot or two for the Merchant Marine Academy. And from the Merchant Marine Academy, you don't have to, you can join the reserve. You don't have to go full uh, officer. You can do it in reserve time and work while, uh, once you graduate from the Merchant Marine Academy. Now, all the academies, you have to meet some minimum standards. One, you have to be a seven, and you have to receive an nomination either from your senator, your member of Congress, or the vice president of the United States. And you have to be a U.S. citizen and meet the physical and moral standards of each branch. So a lot of people don't understand that this was another thing that came up when I was there. I was going to say, well, there's quotas out there. There has to be so many people like this, and there has to be so many people like that, and all these things. And so, therefore, these people may not have the GPA. But it's simply not true. It is still a very competitive process to get into the military academy. It is very difficult. Now, Rob, you pulled it off twice when you were kids, so I, I can attest that your pop, your kids, you can attest that your children must have had a, you know, this is not an easy process. They had to have a significant physical ability and academically, they were superior from the rest of their class. Correct? Yep. Yeah. So. That is an option, and a lot of veterans don't know is they're looking for college options for their children, but that's available to their children, especially if you want them to get a experience that's different than just you know going to a regular college and then figuring out what they're going to do when they get done. The military academies or an ROTC program will essentially pay for, in most cases, their education, and then provide them with employment immediately after they're done with school. Now, the commitments vary depending on the job that they're going to take post their academy, um, uh, uh, their academy experience once they graduate. But once they do graduate, 
they typically go right into the fleet or or the army for anywhere from six to ten years. Now they'll go to some specialty training so they can learn their jobs and their specific duties. But in general, six to ten years. And when they're going to that school, they are also uh, using that time. That's actual military time, so it counts towards their retirement. The academies themselves now don't necessarily count towards their retirement, although they do have thrift savings programs and other things to uh, you know, add or contribute to the retirement eventually. And they are, if they receive any injuries, they're also eligible for VA benefits from that time too. Now, let's say you want your kid to get an academy, they don't get selected. One other thing they could do is go to the preparatory school for one year at that academy. And they offer that for typically individuals who the academies really want to select, but maybe their ACT and SAT scores are not that high. Or they have you know, uh, a GPA that isn't to the standard of the academy. And so they go through that process, and if they successfully go through it, they get to reapply. And that really gives them a leg up on potentially getting accepted the very following year. Also, it helps them build their skills and get them prepared for what it's going to be like at a military academy. So, again, to be an officer, there's a couple different ways. Just to encapsulate that, one is you can go the traditional route, which is going to a military academy. Two, you can go to a college and find an ROTC program there. Or three, you can go the real hard way to call Mustangs. You can join as an enlisted person, apply for OCS, apply for ROTC, and get acceptable to those programs. Then you can go to a school, uh, if schooling is still necessary, and you go to the ROTC program, and you get commissioned as a military officer. So a lot of opportunities for our kids to join the military, but not necessarily have to go through the enlisted level. Yeah, great, great now, advice. Like I said, I, I've I've lived through it uh, twice already, uh, and thankfully don't have to go through it anymore. You know, hopefully grandchildren, you know, take that route as well. But uh, my daughter, you know, where my son only applied to the Naval Academy, and my daughter applied to all three and got into all three. She got into the Air Force Academy, the Naval Academy, and West Point, and she was accepted to Penn State's uh, NROTC nursing program, where they only take thirteen across the nation. Wow, that's uh, the amount of application she the the amount of application she had to fill out was uh, tremendous. But I, I appreciate that information. It is a great life. Um, they're both enjoying themselves tremendously, and um, you know I, I don't think people realize that you know you graduate a service academy, you graduate from OCS after college, you graduate from an ROTC and ROTC program, and you're immediately employable, making about sixty thousand dollars a year. A lot of people aren't making that right out of college, and that only increases from there. You know, with BAH and uh, sustenance and all Absolutely. the rest of the stuff you get. So it, it's a great future if you want to serve the nation. Um, you know, oh, even at times I like this. Forgot. I almost forgot. Uh, Rob, sorry to interrupt. When they go to an academy, it does not cost to go to an academy. They're actually paid. Yep. So they get out of school, and they have no debt. Yep, and you're so starting off, and you're starting off making that, uh, and you're ahead of the game. I appreciate your uh, information this week, Tommy, and uh, I'm glad you enjoy. West Point's a beautiful place. I love it up there. You know, when, when I visit, every time we go up there to beat them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a proud Navy guy, but these days uh, I have to admit, as painful as it is, I love my niece. She is like my daughter. Oh, absolutely, uh, she's my favorite girl. 
And uh, I had to proudly wear a Go Army shirt always, <laughs> and I did it. Next time you're it. up there, let me know. I'll come up and give a visit. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Tommy. Have a great day. Bye. It's uh, 422 here at WILK. Time for traffic and weather. And this traffic update is brought to you by Data Internet. It is a bit jammed up on... Route 309, Wilkesbury Township Boulevard, between Blackman and East Northampton Street. We're looking at a little bit of heavy traffic and some delays on South River Street in Wilkesbury as well. And there is construction on Shady Lane Road in the Clark Summit area, South Abington Township, that might hold you up just a bit. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line, 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone, WILK Traffic. Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Today, spotty showers across the region, high 80. Tonight, showers ending partly cloudy, low 64. Wednesday, warm and humid with isolated storm, high 81. Thursday, warm and humid with an isolated storm, high 85. Friday, scattered showers and storms, high 78. It's currently 76 degrees and cloudy at 423. Your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. You can call or text the show at 570-883-0098. Getting text messages. And l- listen, when I talk about something and, and I tell you where to find it and you can't find it, it it's really not my fault that, that you can't find it. Um, you know, Somebody's texting about the electric vehicles and, and such like that, that there is no such mandate. And I posted the... Joe Biden executive order that um, states 50% of the cars should be uh, electric. Uh, I'll I'll read what it says. It's the fact sheet. Biden-Harris administration announces new private and public sector investments for affordable electric vehicles. As part of the President Biden's goal of having 50% all new vehicle sales by electric, be electric by 2030, the White House is announcing a public and private Comments to support the American historic transition to electric vehicles under the EV acceleration challenge. Now, yes, this is an executive order. Now, based on the executive order, you have manufacturers retooling their manufacturing to meet a 50% goal. So even though Joe Biden's not saying you must have 50% vehicles by 2030, his executive order is saying that's the goal. So the manufacturers, based on the millions and dollars they're giving them to retool their factories, we talk about it all the time, are going to retool their factories. They've already done it. Ford has has spent billions in doing it and lost $4.5 billion doing it this year alone because their electric lightnings aren't, F-150 lightnings aren't selling. But manufacturers based on this executive order, are retooling their factory to to manufacture 50% electric vehicles. So even though it's not a mandate to you, if the manufacturers are only producing 50% of formerly combustible engine cars and now 50% electric vehicles, what quasi-mandate do you have when you go to a manufacturer to buy a new vehicle? It's as simple as that. That's the information I'm putting out there. And because they can't find... Listener can't find the fact sheet. They're saying, I'm making it up. I'm lying. And unfortunately, the link to the fact sheet is too long to put in our text platform that we have here. We're only allowed 130, 160 characters. But 
All you have to do is Google fact sheet. Biden-Harris administration announces new private and public sector investments for affordable electric vehicles. April 17th, 2023, it was signed. And they want to argue with me that it's not a mandate. It's not an executive order. I can't find it. So, don't know what to tell you. Now they're saying the fact sheet on the executive order isn't an executive order. Yes, it's a fact sheet from the White House on the executive order that he signed. And again, an executive order is just that. Can't help it if you can't wade your way through it. You know what? If you don't like it, don't listen. It's as simple as that. If you don't think I'm telling you the truth, go elsewhere. My life won't change, I promise. Neither will yours. That's the miraculous thing about self-control. Uh, Philadelphia teenager has been charged with plotting a potential catastrophic terrorist attack. Now, did this slip through everyone's radar? Because I didn't read about this till this morning. Philadelphia teen charged with plotting a potentially catastrophic terrorist attack. Here in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. But everything else going on, you know, I didn't see that on anyone's mainstream media. Did anyone else see this? A Philadelphia teenager has been charged with plotting a potential catastrophic terrorist attack after federal authorities discovered the teen had allegedly been communicating with an Al-Qaeda-affiliated terror group and gathered bomb-making material. The 17-year-old was taken into custody by FBI SWAT officers at his home in West Philadelphia on August 11th after an investigation headed by the FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force. Officials revealed Monday. The unnamed teen is suspected to have been in contact. I'm not even going to try to pronounce their names. An organization designated as a global terrorist group by the State Department in 2022. The group, which has links to al-Qaeda, primarily operates in the Syrian province, but is also believed to be responsible for the April 2017 metro attack in St. Petersburg, Russia, and the August 2016 suicide car bombing outside the Chinese embassy. The juvenile allegedly received guidance from the terror group on how to construct improvised explosive devices, and FBI agents observed the teen purchasing bomb-making material and outdoor and tactical gear before his arrest. The work the FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force potentially thwarted a catastrophic terrorist attack in the name of a perverted ideology that in no way, shape, or form represents the beliefs of the overwhelming majority of peacekeeping people of faith, including Muslims, Philadelphia District Attorney Larry Krasner said Monday. The charges we have filed against the individual represent the most serious alleged terrorist activity prosecuted in Philadelphia County Court in recent history. We intend to pursue full, pursue full accountability for these crimes and will continue to work vigilantly with our law enforcement partners to protect all of our communities from hateful, ideological-driven acts of violence. Uh, the suspect wasn't named by officials because his status is a juvenile. will avoid federal charges for now. U.S. attorneys, officials generally do not handle juvenile cases, even those related to terrorism. Well, now that terrorists know that, who do you think they're going to use from now on? However, the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office will file a motion to prosecute the suspect as an adult. The teenager has been charged with weapons of mass destruction, criminal conspiracy, arson, causing risk and catastrophe. 
attempt to commit criminal mischief, possession of an instrument of crime, and recklessly endangering another person. F- FBI special agent in charge said that uh, the teenager appeared to be taking steps to travel overseas to purpose of joining and supporting terrorist activity. Um, news to me, and now um, you know about it, but it's funny how that wasn't in the mainstream media more. It's uh, 334 here at WILK. Back after the news with Paul Michaels. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 439. It's a song called Stand by a local artist, Nate Hosey. Um, this is the point in the show where we honor our police officers across the nation who made the ultimate sacrifice. 69 police officers made the ultimate sacrifice on this day. Four of them from here in Pennsylvania. I'm going to start off with Detective John Thomas Cousin, Philadelphia Police Department in 1996. Detective John Cousin was shot and killed during an attempted robbery while walking outside of his home. After killing Detective Cousin, the suspect stole his weapon. One suspect was arrested after seeking medical attention for a gunshot wound he received when he was shot by Detective Cousin during the robbery attempt. Corporal Leo Michael Kozeknik, Pennsylvania State Police, in 1977. Corporal was killed when he was struck by a vehicle while helping a stranded motorist. Corporal Kozelnik and the tow truck operator were standing on the side of the Schuylkill Expressway next to the disabled vehicle when a 20-year-old driver from another car merged into the left lane and to the right lane and for some unknown reason struck the trooper and the tow truck operator, killing them both. Detective Edward J. Gahan. Philadelphia Police Department in 1931, succumbed to a gunshot wound sustained two days earlier when he was shot by a fellow officer who mistook him for a robber at the 4th and Catherine Street in South Philadelphia. Detective Gahan had shot and wounded a suspect and was bending over him when the other officer shot him. This one's close to home. Patrolman James Golden, Dunmore Borough Police Department in 1900, Patrolman James Golden succumbed to a gunshot wound sustained the previous day while attempting to arrest two men who were fighting outside of a, sh- of a saloon near the intersection of Chestnut Street and Willow Street. One of the suspects resisted arrest and struggled with Patrolman Golden. The man's brother then retrieved a 32 caliber revolver from inside a nearby barbershop and handed it to the man, who then shot Patrolman Golden in the torso. Patrolman Golden was taken to Lackawanna Hospital where he died the following day. The subject fled the country to his native Italy following the murder. He was recognized in Italy as a suspect in the murder that occurred 13 years prior. He then fled to Buenos Aires, Argentina, where he was arrested in November of 1905. The Lackawanna County Commissioners denied the money needed to extradite him from Argentina, and the man was eventually released from custody. He was never extradited nor tried for Patrolman Golden's murder. Patrolman Golden had served with the Dunmore Borough Police Department for only four months. He was survived by his wife and four children. 1900, Lackawanna County Commissioners failed to put up the money to have his killer extradited. Dunmore Policeman. The hits need Kim Cohen, and it doesn't seem like much has changed in Lackawanna County, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. 
It's uh, 442 here at WILK. Time for traffic and weather. Hey, thanks, Rob. This traffic update is brought to you by Penteladata Internet. We're seeing some delays on Blackman Street and Wilkesbury between High Street and Hazel Street. You'll find heavy traffic on William Street in Pittston and Kaiser Avenue in Scranton. We are running accident-free at the moment. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line, 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone, WILK Traffic. Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Tonight, showers ending, partly cloudy, low 64. Wednesday, warm and humid with an isolated storm, high 81. Thursday, warm and humid with an isolated storm, high 85. Friday, scattered showers and storms, high 78. It's currently 76 degrees and mostly cloudy here at 443 in your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 447, 76 degrees and mostly cloudy. This story is troubling on many levels, and it really doesn't get into the details more specific that would help me understand it better, but a homeless man was charged in a music stabbing. Police in the borough of Music. Um, Sunday. Music police responded to the 4600 block of Bernie Avenue around 5.15 p.m. This would be on Sunday for a report of two men fighting on the side of the road. When the officers arrived, he observed a shirtless man walking toward him. Witnesses told the officer that the man was just stabbed. He noticed the man, identified as Nathan Cheek, had marks all over him, including a stab wound in the middle of his back. Witnesses said the man, later identified as Lawrence Wright, was the person who stabbed Nathan Cheek, police said. After being taken into custody, Wright told police he didn't do anything wrong and that Cheek was threatening his wife and child. A witness told police she saw the men fighting and Cheek was on top of Wright, choking him and trying to shove white pearls down his throat. Wright told the witness that he had to protect his family. He then reached into a bag, pulled out a knife, and stabbed Cheek once in the back. A video from a witness showed the men fighting with Cheek, choking Wright, and a woman identifies as Alicia Wright, hitting Cheek in the head with the bag to break up the fight. Wright, 38, was charged with aggravated assault, reckless endangerment, endangering another person, and related counts. Police identified Wright as homeless in the criminal complaint. He remains in Lackawanna County Prison in lieu of $25,000 bail. Preliminary hearing is scheduled for August 23rd. Now, it kind of identifies them all as homeless. And again, this is right on Bernie Avenue in Music. But what it doesn't get into is that uh, Wright who was charged with the assault, who did this, who stabbed the other gentleman, says that he was protecting his wife and child. Now it explains his wife, she was hitting the the other guy with the bag, but it doesn't say anything about the child. Now if he's 38, you would say his wife's probably about the same. How old's the kid? And does this family live homeless on the street in Music? It doesn't get into that at all in the article, and it very might well have been dealt with. But was the wife and child given shelter, taken to shelter? Was there any kind of services provided for them? I mean, this appears to be two homeless men 
in Muzik on this area of Ernie Avenue who got into some kind of altercation. Now, there are witnesses that say that I don't know who the witnesses are. It doesn't say who the witnesses are. There's actually a video, it says. So someone took a cell phone and took a video of this in, 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 uh, interaction. But is this what's going on in Lackawanna County in Muzik here? Do we have homeless families with children living on Bernie Avenue? I haven't been down there in a while. If, if anyone has driven by there, I mean, I know I've heard about the homeless. I know I've heard about the tents set up near the river and such like that. But, uh, I mean, this is troubling for many reasons. A, it, it resulted in a stabbing, so that's troubling within itself. You know, you have one homeless guy choking another one and trying to shove white pearls down his throat. Doesn't really elaborate on what that is whatsoever. But the, the most troubling part of this article that I'm reading is that he was trying to protect his wife and child. Doesn't say anything about a child, doesn't say anybody anything about an age of a child. It just says that Wright is 38 years old. So if his wife's that or a little younger, how old could the kid be? And if, if that's the case... You know, there is no, and again, the article's limited, so that's that's what I'm going off of. But, uh, you know, reading this article, hearing about a homeless dispute that turned into a, an assault and turned into a stabbing, uh, a wife involved, striking, getting involved in the uh, altercation herself by striking one of the individuals to break up the fight, and then the mentioning of a child, concerning, concerning to say the least. Um but if anyone has any further information on this, it supposedly happened Sunday evening. And uh, it's troubling. I mean, especially, let me see the exact location of this, was uh, the 4600 block of Bernie Avenue, around 515 on a Sunday. You know, you had a fighting on the side of the road and a stabbing. Thankfully, the officers got there. There were witnesses, and like I said, there was a, a video. The person was taken into custody without incident, which is always good. But again, it says the video from the witness showed the men fighting with Cheek choking right and a woman identified as Alicia Wright hitting Cheek in the head with the bag to break up the fight. going to be interesting to see where this goes because you have uh, the one individual choking the other one and I guess after he got up he retrieved the knife and then stabbed him after the fact. If he was stabbed him during the choking he probably would have had a case for self-defense. But regardless it's a mess. If we have a family living on the side of the road somewhere near the 4600 block of Muzik then where's our county services? Where's our county officials out there to, to deal with something like this before it gets to this? I mean, he says he was protecting his family. Well, if his family had some sort of services to not live on the street, and yes, I get it. A lot of these people choose to live on the street. I've dealt with it before. I know the, the, the situation. I just don't have faith in Lackawanna County for doing anything sort of the right thing. But it was a good job by the Music Police Department who did get there. So there was no further incident, and you know this could have easily resulted in a death. But... um. You know, something else in our area that, that a lot of people like to look the other way on isn't a problem in our area. 
But here it is, a problem. You know, homeless people fighting, stabbing, and there's mention of a wife and child. The wife is obviously there, was, took part in breaking up the assault, but it doesn't mention the child, the age, or anything like that. So just another day in Lackawanna County in music. It's uh, 4.54 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. Uh, for many older workers, taking Social Security and continuing to work are essential. Solvency of the federal insurance program created in 1930s depression and fairness to seniors willing to stay in the workforce are intertwined. Uh, U.S. Representative Gary Murphy of North Carolina wants seniors to keep more mo- of their money. He introduced a Senior Citizens Freedom to Work Act, a bill that would repeal the retirement earnings test for beneficiaries that claim early retirement. The provision cuts benefits in half for those earning more than 21240 while the reduction in benefits is returned to seniors upon reaching full retirement age. Many are unaware and choose the earned below the threshold. Alan Porter, a financial planner with Strategic Wealth Strategies in Fayetteville, said the change will benefit, benefit struggling seniors who don't have a choice about continuing to work but could compound problems plaguing the Social Security system. It will definitely help people on Social Security, but it won't help the system, Porter said, adding that many seniors have opted for early retirement while continuing to work to keep up with rising costs. If people make more money and are not putting it back in, it's going to make it worse, but they have to do something for the seniors. Murphy contends, this is the representative, American seniors' ability to earn income and enjoy the dignity of work should not be penalized by arbitrary perimeters to receive Social Security benefits. A recent report from the Committee of Responsible Federal Budget says that without significant changes, the Social Security is on track for a 23% across-the-board benefit cut in 2033 when the Social Security Retirement Fund becomes insolvent. The potential cut would equate much as $17,400 annually for typically newly retired dual-income couple. So this isn't a bad bill. It uh, modifies the cap that you can make as you're collecting Social Security and still work so you can combine the two and uh, squeak by in this high inflation time. It's Rob O'Donnell here on WILK News Radio. We'll be back. It's 5 o'clock.